0: Podcast. Your one-stop shop for anything and everything surrounding the Seattle Mariners baseball team. My name is Rick Clark, and with me, as always, the guy that is trying to brave the ire of all Huskies fans around the Pacific Northwest, Mr. Bochism Bo. How are you doing today?
1: Uh I'm cold today. I'm cold. Um, you know, adding uh <clears throat> Uh, punishment to the seattle area this weekend was the weather so um yeah i'm surviving it though i'm just like i think a lot of people are surviving seattle sports this week but how are you doing
0: <clears throat> well uh, up until the kraken lost this morning we're shooting on on monday and up until they lost i was doing fine you know seahawks lost they're not in the playoffs uh that one hurt gonzaga's not doing well that that hurt a little bit but you know my crutch was the kraken and they just lost their win streak, So. Kinda of bummed now. Kinda of bummed.
1: Yeah, sorry to hear that. Um, sorry to hear that. If only we could, you know, talk about some other Seattle sports team. But yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: You know, we can go back we can talk about the Kraken. G- Joey DeCord legit could be uh, you know, a Vesna finalist. He's he's that good this year. He's that good. So, you know, maybe maybe we'll save that for another another episode. We'll uh we'll do another Seattle Kraken esque episode.
1: We've been teasing it, yeah. We probably should do it at some point. So, yeah. yep.
0: one of these days, one of these days. <clears throat> Before we get into everything, thank you for taking time to listen to another edition of the Forks Down podcast. That's of course, if you're a returning listener, welcome back. Um, You know, this is episode. I don't know. We're in the 80s. I'm, I'm losing track every time. Got like six different numbers because we're technically in season two, but I, I make sure that episode number is just all the episodes we've had. So, you know, I think it's 85, 86. We're somewhere around there, but if you've been with us the whole time, thank you for, for supporting us. Um, You know, thank you for being with us. You know, we're doing, we're doing what we can to talk about Seattle Mariners baseball. Sometimes it's a little tough this week. Um, You know, we are talking about some rivals and we do have some transaction notes. Other weeks, it's pretty sparse. So, um, you know, but you, you guys are sticking with us through the thick, through the thin, And we very much appreciate it. And if you're a first-time listener, hey, thanks for choosing Forks Down. I'm Rick. My co-host is Bo. You know, we've been doing this for a while, having fun with it. We're trying to bring the best Mariners baseball talk we can, you know, to whatever platform you're listening on, whether that be Spotify, Google, Amazon, all that stuff. So, um, you know, keep supporting us if you want. If you don't, sorry to see you go. But, uh, you know, we'd love to have your support, and hopefully we're bringing you the best Mariners baseball talk we can. So uh, if you haven't already, go hit up our social media pages. You can find us on Facebook, find us on Instagram, and find us on Threads. Just search for Sound Podcast. You can also hit like and subscribe on your podcast listening app. You'll get notified when we uh, drop new episodes. You can rate us if you want. You give us a five-star rating if you really like us. You can give us a one-star rating if you don't. Um, if the one-star uh, happens. I will sick bow on you. It's a lot of fun to see him get a little fired up. Um, we haven't had an episode where he gets <laughs> fired up recently, so maybe I need to need to push his buttons a little bit more. I thought I'd get him fired up during the Christmas episode where we did trivia and he lost again, but um, you know, that was, that was a mini fire up to what Bo can get to. So.
1: <clears throat> yeah, I call it pity. I call it pity that time around. So. Oh uh, um, uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but go and do that for us. We'll get you the best Mariners content we can. And uh, yeah, thanks for joining us. So, but let's, uh, let's hop into some transaction notes. Not a very, I wouldn't say a very big week with Mariners transactions, but um, you know, the bottom end of that roster is starting to fill out a little bit. A lot of minor league deals here. Um, let's just hammer them out real quickly. We've got Michael Chavis um, signing a minor league deal. Um, we've got Kirby Sneed a pitcher, minor league deal, Jonathan Diaz. If you remember him, he's been on the angels for the last couple seasons. We signed him on a minor league deal. We signed Corey Abbott. And we also claimed Mauricio Lavera from the Red Sox. And uh, yeah, that's, uh, that's a lot of uh, wheeling and dealing for Mr. Jerry DePoto. But which one of uh, these players that I just mentioned excites you the most? You know, which one do you see making the opening day roster and, and probably making an impact.
1: Um, So I think from the list, um, Mauricio Lovera probably sticks out the most, Um, uh, you know, as it sits right now, he's out of options. So he is going to be sitting on like the 26 man roster, uh, I think at at its current state. Um, And, you know, he pitched most recently for the Red Sox was traded at the deadline um he didn't quite have quite i would say a lot of success there um you know his numbers you'll see it at boston were were um we'll just say poor let's just put it that way to say uh 5 546 era um but i feel like most some of the you know he still he still walked about four per nine struck out only about seven per nine but i think some of the underlying stuff um looks relatively okay for Ilvera, Right. Um, I think that he kind of reminds the pitching repertoire reminds me a little bit of Justin Topa actually. So, um, got a decent sinker, slider, cutter, um, going to throw, you know, right around 95 miles per hour, that fastball, that two seamer. So I think he's got a pretty good repertoire. Um, I think he has a decent chance of kind of being that last guy in the bullpen. I think, um, as the kind of the bullpen shapes out right now, So he's probably the one that sticks out the most. Um, The other guys, Corey Abbott, kind of a, a, what is a bigger name a couple years ago, um, a little softer throwing, um, a little softer throwing. We'll see if he's able to kind of break through. Um, Jonathan Diaz very much feels like fills a role of kind of a swing man. Like, uh, you know, I think we saw, was it like Jose Rodriguez fill in for like, you know, a bulk kind of three innings start last year or bulk kind of three innings at some point. So he kind of reminds me of that kind of level, right. But you in Tacoma and maybe getting a call up, um, for when the Mariners need, to, uh, you know, some sort of bulk starter or bulk innings eater, um, and Kirby Sneed um, coming back from the, uh, the, the team that was the Oakland athletics, um, this last year, um, you know, going to be a fastball slider kind of guy, um, for the most part, uh, kind of a, I, I can't project it too high right now. I think he's still going to certainly start in Tacoma, Um, but I think he has, I think he still has some potential left in him to kind of, I think maybe break through in like a Taylor Saucedo situation, just like Taylor did last year. So very likely scenario with all these guys that they could, you know, get some shot. I think with the Mariners at some point, um, you know, you, Lovera is, you know, I think going to be projected to be in the rotation into the bullpen right now. So he's the guy I would look at the most. But, um, yeah, this is just kind of the the bullpen game that the Mariners play in the offseason, right? Um, and I think it's worth noting, right, Gabe Spire and Justin Topa, neither of those guys were in the, the bullpen at the start of the year last year, right? They um, They kind of came in after guys got a couple injuries and what have you there. So very likely scenario, maybe one of these guys breaks through even after starting the year in Tacoma.
0: Yep. Yep. Don't, don't be surprised if, uh, you know, one of those guys by June or July, we're calling him the next Gabe Spire. Um, I wouldn't probably go as far as like a Paul Seawald, but he, it certainly could happen. You know, the, the Mariners have like a, a bullpen doctor that they bring in and, you know, turns out, you know, players that were kind of cast offs and turns them into pretty legit, um, relievers. So, uh, we'll see what hap- what happens with that. And then Michael Chavis, um, you know, I, I kind of am excited about him. Um, you know, you didn't talk about him and I'll let you kind of talk a little bit more maybe about him, but, uh, former, uh, first round draft pick, high prospect for the Red Sox, uh, didn't kind of pan out, went to the Pirates, played a, a substantial amount there played, a, you know, I think mostly third base. Um, but I mean, we're getting him on a minor league deal and, um, maybe we could, we can get something out of him that, uh that uh the other teams haven't been able to you know that one um very very low risk but could be a very mid to high reward on that
1: yeah potentially and i think it you know adds depth at that third base which uh and the infield in general he's played some second base so i think it's it all makes sense for i think what the mariners are looking for, and you know what even justin hollander has kind of gone out his way to say like you know we're hoping to get some more infield depth which we're going to talk about a couple guys here a little bit later but you know very much fits that bill um so yeah i uh we'll see i think he's certainly gonna probably get a shot in tacoma right and see what he kind of has what happens in spring training which is actually you know very, spring training is coming up on on us very fast so we'll see you know what kind of happens to shave there and very well could get a shot at some point um you know, barring some sort of injury or, you know, some sort of gap that the Mariners are trying to fill at a current time. So, yep. Do you, do you remember when pitchers and catchers report? Um, I don't have the date off the top of my head. Um it's usually
0: sometime in February, though.
1: Middle of February. Yeah, typically yeah. the middle of February. Yep, yep,
0: yep, yep. yep. So um, <clears throat> outside of the minor league deals and stuff like that, the Mariners did have to, uh, you know, agree some contracts with seven players. Um, They ended up, being able to come through with the contracts, they have voided arbitration with all um, Bo, You don't have them listed here. Uh, who are the seven players? What do we give them?
1: Sure thing. So we've got, um, Ty France, Luis Urias, Josh Rojas, Justin Topa, Trent Thornton, Sam Haggerty, and Logan Gilbert. Um, Ty France came in at 6.7 million dollars, which I believe is a little bit under what um, I think was projected for him. Luis Urias comes in at right about five million dollars. Josh Rojas comes at 3.1, Justin Topo 1.2, Trent Thornton 1.2, Sam Hagerty is sitting at 900000 dollars And then Logan Gilbert got a good arbitration number of $4 million. So um, all very positive stuff. I think it's a very I think it's much more of a positive thing when um, the teams obviously um, agree to a deal before, so they don't have to go to arbitration, right? I think arbitration is kind of an ugly process. Me, you know, like last year, Teo did not; Teo went to arbitration, and you know, who knows? Like, you know, we don't really know the extent of extension talks or what have you there. But I think some, I think some of that stuff does play a bigger role in you know your decision to stay or not than people think. So, I'm all very positive that we were able to kind of get these guys and um, you know signed and to to good deals. And I think all these guys, Tyfrans will be. Ty France and Luis Urias will enter their last year arbitration next year. Um, Josh Rojas, Justin Tobo still have to go through arbitration for two more years. Um, uh, Trent Thornton has two more years as well. Um, Sarah Hegeri has two years. And then Logan Gilbert still has three years of arbitration after this. Isn't a free agent until 2028. So all to say that um, of those guys from the salaries you see there, Logan Gilbert's going to start to get expensive um, relatively soon. So... um, Something to keep an eye on, I think, as we go into, uh, um, you know, not right now, but certainly next off season. So, yep.
0: Yep. yep. Just something to watch out for. Um, 4 million is very reasonable for a Logan Gilbert deal right now. Um, I saw people mentioning like, it is crazy to me that Ty France and, uh, Urias are both getting a higher number than Logan Gilbert because Logan Gilbert feels like very much more a vital part of this organization than those two. But, um, you know, like you said, it's it's only going to get more expensive from here on out, you know. so And then one other um, Mariners note that we have here, Danny Farquhar. If you guys remember Danny Farquhar, um, former relief pitcher for the Mariners, spent some time with the White Sox. Um, you know, I know me and you, Bo, and a few of our friends called him Lord Farquhar every time he came in, um, spent some time in the closing role. Um, he is joining the pitching Staff on, I, I'm pretty sure at the major league level, correct?
1: Uh, correct. So, some sort of assistant pitching coach. Um, I wouldn't say not like a Jared DeHart level, like Jared Hart's like the defense, like the director of hitting strategy. We already have another pitching director of pitching strategy, but yeah, somewhere right underneath that is kind of where Far Core is going to fall into. So, um, all positive stuff, especially with, uh, you know, with the Mariners, um, ability it seems like to kind of develop or make pitchers better when they come here so um all very positive to see uh, to see danny back in the fold
0: yeah yeah and i i don't know i i guess i have a soft spot as being a Mariner fan for you know as long as i have to see former players come back and and be on that staff um you know just um you know you, you know I, I feel like they must really enjoy seattle if they come back <laughs> You know, so i um, good to see Danny come back and, uh, you know, hopefully he just can helps, um, you know, continue the success that has been the pitching staff, you know, not only starters, but, you know, the the relievers, the bullpen, you know, stuff like that. So that's all our Mariners notes today, Bo. Um, we do have some off season notes because uh, there's still a couple big names that haven't been signed yet. Um, you know, one being Cody Bellinger. Um, former Dodger, former Cub, you know, probably the best bat left on the table. And the Mariners are still, you know, you put in quotation marks, marks lurking in the background. Um, you know, there's, So there, he's still somewhat on the Mariners radar. You could probably argue how much of the radar he's actually on. And then uh, hometown product Blake Snell is still not signed, um, which I find that more shocking than Bellinger, to be honest with you um, reigning, NL El Cy Young winner, and he's still not got a home.
1: Uh, yeah. Um, I think the, you know, the main thing with both of them is they're both Boris clients. So it's very likely that they actually just continue to hold out for quite a while. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised if we're going into spring training and, um, I wouldn't be surprised if we go to spring training and Blake Snell is still not signed. I think he's probably still going to try to hold out for something there, or I don't know. Um, Maybe there's some injury that pops up who knows. Right. But like, yeah, it's still a little surprising just given um, both the guys kind of, I think value that they're both going to have. Um, I think it kind of highlights just Cody Bellinger's um, uh, volatility, you know, inconsistency, whatever you want to call it, that he's probably still not signed. Um, and I think the question becomes, do you think the Mariners should get involved at some point? And I don't think certainly like, I think a, a multi-year contract, I think that's kind of off the, off the table, but like I'm looking at the lurking um, option or the, there was a from, you know, Nightingale, that talked about them lurking. And I don't really know how real that is, but do you think if, you know, Bellinger to take like a one year deal or a two year deal, the Mariners should entertain that option?
0: I think they should. I mean, I I think Bellinger only makes this team better. Um, you know, he has been kind of iffy with the stick, but uh, you know, gold glove defense, very very good defensively and he could play multiple positions. You know, he could play I'm pretty sure every outfield position, but he could play the big one in center, although we've got Julio there. And he could also play first. Um, so I mean, it it's not out of the realm of possibility I think that he would be a fit on this team. Um, you know, what it ultimately is going to come down to is obviously the money aspect of it. And also what, what does that do? You know, if we do sign a Bellinger, what does that do, you know, for some of the guys we brought in, you know, the Luke Rayleigh's the, the, you know, Mitch Garbers and stuff like that. Just, you know, what, you know, Luke Raley, you know, already isn't going to be spending time at DH as much because we do have a Mitch Garver, you know, and, and, you know, you can even look at guys like Canzone and stuff. What what does that do for Canzone? Because um, he's projected to at least, uh, you know, split playing time in one of the outfield corner positions. So, um, I would like it. I, I again, I would only think it would make the team better. But you know, once you do make do something like that, what where do the f- pieces fall into place? Who gets moved? Like. Like do we sign Bellinger and do we trade at Ty France? Like is that the route you'd have to go and stick Bellinger first? I don't know.
1: Yeah, I think prior to the Luke Rayleigh trade, um prior to the Luke Trailer R- trade getting uh Bellinger on like a one year deal probably made more sense. But yeah, I think you're I think you're right there. You gotta kinda play this game of where you're gonna put people. And you know, if you get somebody like Bellinger, you know, I think it's Certainly worth the try to you know figure out how you can kind of move pieces around for a guy, especially like of potentially what Bellinger can bring you, right? Like, um, you know, if we need to, um, you know, if we need to move on from Taylor Trammell or demote Dominic Kenzone, right? Like, I feel like that's you know, if we're getting if we if we're if we're getting out of Bellinger, what we got of you know what he gave the Cubs last year, then yeah. I'm all for that, right? But like, um. <clears throat> Yeah. There, I mean, there's still the whole aspect of if you think it's sustainable and what have you there, but um, I wouldn't do anything more than like two years on it. Right. And it'd probably have to still be like some sort of opt out even after the season. So, no. which I just don't know. I don't know if I see the Mariners wanting to, to jump on. So um,
0: I mean, but, they, uh, can, they yeah. can do some crazy stuff too, because you know, there's still, there's still, I wouldn't say there's a hole at third, you know, we got someone's going to play third, but You could do something like moving tight France to third and putting (laughs) Cody at first. I mean, is that feasible in the long run? I don't know, (laughs) but I mean, they could get creative and uh, the sticking point is everyone wants to see this Mariners team better. Kelly Bellinger is not going to make the team worse if we're signing him. So,
1: yep, that's fair. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, I don't think it's gonna be in the cards, but um, I don't interesting so. thought. Nonetheless, in though Anyway, so I, I um, I would love it, just probably not gonna happen. And uh, and the Blake Snell stuff, um, I just uh, I don't want to say we need to probably stop talking about Blake Snell, but like I feel like if there was any like consideration out there or anything at all, like there would have been at least some confirmed talks rumors like we don't even have like we got this tweet from nightingale that talks about the Mariners lurking for Cody Bellinger I feel like we don't even have anything about that for the Mariners other than like oh Blake Snell's a hometown kid he probably wants to come here he went to the Seahawks game like so like I don't want to say we should stop talking about Blake Snell but like I just don't I know we probably all want that to happen for the for the good vibes right but like I just I feel like it might be time just to kind of let that pitch go right like that's kind of where I'm at with Blake Snell right now
0: yeah. Yeah. Certainly. I'm I'm the same way. Again, Snell would make the team better, not worse, but A, where are we fitting him in? B, what are we gonna have to pay him and C you know who's gonna pay him more, I guess. I don't know. I feel like there's a team out there that probably pay him more, so um uh, best of luck to Blake Snell, you know. Um hopefully he uh he finds a deal that uh suits him, but I just don't don't think it's going to be at the Mariners. Yep.
1: Yeah. Hey, if the price ever comes down enough, I'm sure maybe we should get involved, but I think you're, I think I think it might be time to move on from that. So, mm-hmm. yep. Yeah. Um. <clears throat> well, Bo, you have a discussion topic here you put in, you
0: know, interested in help from, uh, or with second base. Cause I think that's uh, the biggest glaring need that the Mariners have currently. Um, you know, we, we do have people that could play second base, but, you know, are they uh, someone that could play 100 plus games at second base? I don't know. Um, there has been some talk recently um, with the Miami Marlins that uh, Luis Ar- uh, Arias might be on the table. Um, but this is your discussion point, Bo. So I want you to lead this discussion. What are we What are we going with here?
1: well you're a little bit of a bigger arise fan than i am so i'd like you to I'd, li- I'd like you to chime in here but like uh yeah i think the Mar- the marlins um both those teams start with an and A R M A R. um the marlins are i think exploring it it sounds like or they're interested or you know there's an op- there's like there's essentially an option that the Mar- marlins might be able to might go out there and try to trade him the marlins have a new regime that came in so like you know, when that new regime comes in, there's, you know, those guys aren't their guys that they drafted and developed, so they're more open, I think, to moving some of those guys. And Arise kind of kind of fits that bill, I think, for for them because I think he's going to return a lot of value. Um, and uh, I think the hang up right now is that um, Arise is going to probably end up costing, you know, one of your one of your young starters. And um, there's. The this the off season the long off season debate that I feel like everybody's had about should we trade a Miller or a Woo right that gets all coupled back into this but um the the Marlins do have a you know pretty good young pitching for the most part so I just don't really mm-hmm. see it happening unless they can like kind of finagle some sort of three way trade but um, all to go to say maybe just leave Miller and Woo out right now once you talk about a rise do you think you would be a good fit for the Mariner roster
0: I. I think you'd be the best fit. I mean, could you imagine the top of the lineup being like a one, two, three of arise JP, and and Julio? Like Arise setting the table for for JP and and Julio to to drive them in. Like, um, you know, that's they want to talk about not striking out as much and getting people on base. Like he's like a one this, you know, in the last couple of seasons of being able to get on base and have a high percentage and and stuff like that. So um, would he be a fit? Absolutely. Um, It does kind of scare me what, what it would cost. You know, um, I, I just don't think that they, uh, the the Marlins are looking for pitching. They guys, they got guys like Yuri Perez, Max Mayer, Sandy Alcantara. I mean, they, they shipped Pablo Lopez last year. And Pablo Lopez was an all-star for Minnesota. You know, and right. and they didn't even skip a beat pitching wise because they have, you know, like riches and riches of young pitching talent on that roster. So I don't think it would take a a one of our young pitchers, a Wu, uh Hancock, a, you know, a, a Miller, one of those like they'd probably want a bat back. So what would that cost batting wise? What do we have? Class A. I, they, it'd take more than class A. Um, I, I feel like Our young hitting prospects The guys that probably should um, be untouchable Are guys like Cole Young, Harry Ford Maybe Colton Emerson But I feel like it'd probably take One of those guys too To, to really woo the Marlins into trading Arias
1: Did you say to woo the Marlins into Arias?
0: Woo, woo the Marlins into trading him <laughs>
1: Woo, woo. Um, yeah, no, I think you're right, and uh, it seems like the prospect game this off season is not of interest to a lot of people. From what we heard from Justin Hollander, right, it seems like not a lot of teams are interested in um, you know the prospects this this off season, except for maybe the Cubs who just got Michael Bush, right. Um, mm-hmm. So it seems like that may not be of interest to the Marlins. The Marlins, you don't. I, I don't really know, like we said, a regime change there. You don't really know what kind of what they're going to want to go through. Like if they want to, if they think they need to do some sort of tear down, even after they made the playoffs, like, you know, they're not quite sure I think what they want to do over there yet. And I honestly feel like this may be a better option if we get closer to like the trade deadline, right. Where team where prospects are a little bit more valuable. Some of our guys have, you know, another half year to kind of build up and develop some of their, um, and build up and develop some of their value. So like, I think it becomes more reasonable at that point, but um, <clears throat> yeah. And and I guess I will add my, the only thing I might be down on a little bit on a rise is like, I don't think we're, you know, it's not a big power profile, which the Mariners have some good, decent power profile guys this year, but um, I would probably like a little bit more power if we're going to be end up paying for, um, you know, if we're going to end up paying one of our big guys there, one of our top prospects, like, I'd probably want at least somebody that can probably give us a little bit more pop. I think in T-Mobile, I guess that's what I'm trying to say. Not to say that, you know, his, obviously his batting average, his swing and miss his on base percentage is going to be, you know, a massive boon to the Mariners. It's just that I'd probably want a little bit more pop. I think that's probably where I'm going with that. Um, That's interesting to hear you say that. I feel like you'd be more get on
0: base. And I don't know. I I know you don't like the old way of doing things sometimes. You think the bunt should be, the sacrifice bunt should close to be non-existent and stuff like that. But I don't know. I feel like getting people on in front of Julio would be your thing.
1: Uh, no, getting people in front of Julio is a. I think that's a big thing, and I think the fact that he would be like a three, three and a half when bat, like I, that it is, it's a that three, three and a half, you know, whatever you want to call it, one hundred and twenty WRC plus, one hundred and thirty WRC plus guy is exactly what the team needs right now, and arise fits that bill, don't get me wrong. Um, I just uh yeah, I think I would probably prioritize maybe a little bit some of that if I can get something with a similar, you know, way to runs creative profile that kind of gives us more home runs. I'd probably profile I probably take that over a rise a little somewhat, right? But like um it's just uh yeah, I guess if you had the choice, right? If you had the choice, let's throw it out there, right? The name that's everybody's talked about the off season. If you had a choice between Randy or Rosarina or Louisa rise, which way would you go? If you were to pull the trigger on a trade for those two,
0: which way would I go? Uh...
1: Yeah. Which way would you go? <laughs> all things, being I, equal. I, uh, yeah, I, all things being equal, the amount of money, the years of arbitration. I don't know if they are off the top of my head, but like all things equal, which way would you rather go on those two?
0: I actually find that to be a more difficult question than you think. Cause I feel like no, that's I, that's what I, I'm trying, trying like, to say, right? Think, like that's yeah. what I'm trying
1: to say. Like I feel like it's I feel like it's not as clear cut. I think Arise, I think Arise is you know, like you said, his on base percentage, you know the the limited time he strikes out, right? Perfect fit for what the Mariners need. But um, you know those two options, right? They're not exactly the same, but they they're not they're not the same, but they have the same value. I guess that's what I'm trying to say, right?
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't. Know. It. I think they both help the team. I don't know. I, let's I, go
1: get. Let's just go get them both. I don't know why we're yeah, why, are why we, are we, we let's let's why, are we, why, are we, why are we just getting them both. Why are we just why Her, Harry we Ford to... for
0: one and and <laughs> Wu and Miller for the other one. Let's just do it.
1: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we can wish. But anyways, I think it's all to say like um, I think a trade closer to the trade deadline for a rise probably makes more sense if the Mariners are you know in it at that point. Prospects will be more valuable. I think it probably makes more sense at that point if it ends up happening. Yeah. yeah. yeah.
0: <clears throat> All right, Bo. let's, uh, let's uh, move on here. We've had some good discussion here. Let's move on um, to continue our competitors coverage. Um, like we said last week, the two teams that we are, um, that Bo was going to talk about, he did fill these out are going to be the Astros and the Orioles, who I feel um, could be our, you know, we, we said it last um maybe not so much with the Orioles but the Astros um, they're going to be uh, some prime competition not only for AL West but but for the AL wild card if we're in that race. So Bo, why don't we start with the Astros? I want you to take it away. Tell me about the Astros that something tell me something I didn't already know.
1: Let me think. Uh they suck. There we go. <laughs> um well, did you know that did you know that the Astros I don't want to say we're coming to the end of kind of an era for the Astros, but um, at the end of the season, Alex Bregman, Jose Altuve, are both projected to be free agents. Um, we'll see if they, I, I I would have to venture a guess that um, Altuve gets to some extension done, just given his history with the Astros. And I don't know who else really wants Jose Altuve. Just throwing that out there. Um, but uh, yeah, I, like, like I guess I should say, there's probably a lot of teams that want him. I don't think the Mariners would want him. I don't think a lot of fan bases would look at like, would like that a lot. Let's just put it that way. Oh, yeah. Um, but anyways, so all to say, like, I think the Astros might be coming to the, the end of an era. And I think that they are kind of approaching this, I don't want to say last hurrah with this kind of group of core guys that they have, but it kind of feels that way in a lot of ways, right? Um, uh, that everybody's going to start to get more expensive. Um, even Kyle Tucker, you know, Christian Javier's um Contracts and get more expensive. Um, Jordan is going to get start to get more expensive. He has a he has a contract kind of coming through. Um, so the Astros have a lot of decisions to make, and um, I think this one it might be one of their last years, especially of their core guys, of being these top contenders that they kind of still are. So um, is that new information to you at all? Did you learn anything from that? No, I feel like you were
0: kind of towards the end of last season. You were kind of coming up thinking that it's probably Houston's time. Um, you know, unless they go and make some big moves, um, which I, I don't see him much doing. I, I could be surprised there, but uh, they don't really have a prospect uh, base, I guess. Um, you know, a lot of these guys, as, as much as I hate to say it, Bregman and Altuve kind of came up through the system. They don't have another Bregman or Altuve sitting down in the minors, you know, that, I, that I've heard of that positively like you know you heard of those guys so um you kind of felt like it was time that you know they were going to be taken out to pasture
1: yep i feel like that's the that's the that's where we're at with them right now um and you know on that note we'll cut just a couple key departures um hector neris has departed phil maton has departed ryan sanic is no longer there and our favorite martin maldonado is no longer there Um, thank god He's
0: with uh, with the White Sox, by the way.
1: He he is with the White Sox. (laughs) Yes, he would have to the White Sox. So still have to deal with him. And I guess you still have to deal with every team at some point. But yes, we'll be seeing Martin at some point. But anyways, um, yeah, they're coming off a 90-win season in which they won the AL West. And relative to projections, like when we came into last season, the, the Astros were riding a very high high off winning the World Series, obviously. And there were a lot of projection systems that still gave the Astros like 100 wins know, somewhere between 95 and hundred wins somewhere in there. And I think they underperformed to what they were projected for, um, you know, did end up winning the AL West very, very close at the end of the season. Very, it, it could have come down to them, not even making the playoffs. So I think we all remember, you know, the back and forth of the Rangers and the Astros and, um, the different games that they the, the Diamondbacks were playing the Astros and, you know, the different wins that needed to be done to kind of piece it together for the Astros, not to make the playoffs. So there was a very real scenario where they didn't do that, but, um, all to say um, this team in 2024 um, Verlander and Framber Valdez are going to be their, um, their top options out of the rotation. Um, And I would argue, you know, after that um, I don't want to say it's, it's not necessary. It's not thin by any means, but um, the Astros pitching goes, you know, Christian Javier, Hunter Brown, JP France, Lance McCullers jr. Is going to be there coming back from injury, which it seems like he's perpetually coming back from injury. But um, Uh, and you know Christian Javier had a had a little bit of a down season last year. Hunter Brown had a down season, but I think the part that really sticks out to me is like a lot of these guys had really bad second halves. The second half for Framer Valdez, he pitched to like a four and a half ERA. They had a team ERA of like four point one three. They gave up a lot of homers. They gave up almost a game at a homer and a half um, through the second half of last year. They walked about four per nine last year in the second half. So um you couple that with some of the batted ball data from last year, they got hit really hard on top of that. Um the pitching, I think, is still a struggle point for the Astros, and it's I think it's their biggest weakness. And I think if you look at some of Framber Valdez's struggles, if that continues for Framber Valdez, this is gonna be a team that's gonna have to heavily rely upon their offense, which has, you know, five kind of big guys atop, but um there's a definite there's a definite chance that this pitching staff, I think, you know, still has the same struggles that we saw from the second half of last year. So um, yeah. What are your thoughts on, what are your thoughts on that? Is do you, do you feel like it was evident from last year that the Astros, especially in the second half last year, didn't really have it on the pitching side of things?
0: Oh no. And you certainly saw it. They they didn't. You certainly saw it when the Mariners played them too. I mean, um, you know, I think outside of the last series of the year against them that we saw um, the Mariners were hitting them quite well. And they were hitting them not just at home; they were hitting them really well in in you know whatever it's called now, Minute Maid Park. Is it still Minute Maid? Can't keep up with all these name changes.
1: Um, I I, I, I think it's Minute Maid. My Minute Maid Park. I feel like it's Minute Maid, but yeah. Uh, but you yeah.
0: you certainly saw it. You know, it was coming. And and pitching wise, they just weren't as good as they had been. I mean, Verlander wasn't pitching well as well as he can, I guess. But Valdez was the big one that you were just like, man, he is not doing well. Um, Hunter Brown, JP France, the, the worst France in the league. Um, Christian Javier, Jose, Akiti, <laughs> It's funny. You brought up Lance McCord's junior, because I feel like till we see something from him, we shouldn't mention him because he just is always hurt. Always, always hurt. So, um, yep. but I mean, they're only getting older. These guys, Hunter Brown and J.P. France are, are young guys. I'll give them that. Um, and they have probably bright futures in a Houston uniform if they can continue to progress because they certainly didn't progress last year. I mean, you just go to all the message boards about the Astros and that's all they were complaining about. Like, we have no pitching. We have no pitching. Hunter Brown J.P. France aren't doing anything. Valdez, Valdez and Verlander are getting older. Christian Javier is just, I don't know what do you call it, A black box? He just, he'll have one good pitching performance followed by three mid-to-terrible performances. So, yeah, pitching just wasn't great for them. It was good to see. As a Mariners fan, it was great to see.
1: (laughs) Yeah, no, it's, uh, the pitching just wasn't there, and you hope maybe the Mariners offense can tap into that a little bit, right? Yeah. this coming season, uh, but the home run ball, I feel like that's the key to kind of beat the Astros. Right. I think we said it last year, they walk, they still walk, you know, for as good as they are and as good as they were the last couple of years, they still walk a number of guys. So if you can get guys on base and they give up home runs, right. A decent clip. It's a effective way to beat the Astros. So I think hopefully that continues. Um, and then we'll transition to the offensive side, which is where, the Astros continue to, you know, I think continue to have their bread and butter, right? Um, the The big four, I think, or big five at the top, that they call, like to call them with, uh, with Altuve, Bregman, <clears throat> um, Jordan, and Kyle Tucker um, are going to be tough to beat like they, like they always are, it seems like. Um, but they're still going to be uh, a powerful force. Um, I don't know if you can really trust Jordan to play a full season anymore, right? Like, I think you can only trust Jordan to ever play like 100 and... 30-ish games, maybe 100 and somewhere in there, 120, 130 games. I don't know if you can ever trust him. If he ever does get healthy for a full season, he's probably a likely MVP contender, but um, <clears throat> yeah, he's going to be able to beat you. And the, the guys of the lineup, you know, as as much as we may not like them, right, Altuve and Bregman still hold a, a valuable source of value for that team. So I'm um, still going to be very good. Um, I think you've correctly pointed out that there's not a lot on the farm, right? I think you'll probably see Zach Denzenzo get some call up at some point to see if they can pull like what they pulled with Jeremy Pena where they replaced Jeremy Pena with Carlos Correa. I could see them doing that with Zach Denzenzo and seeing if he can kind of fill in the hole for Bregman or Altuve. Um, But outside of that, it's a pretty thin farm system. Um, You couple that with aging kind of players and guys that are getting expensive and might be one of the last years we kind of see the Astros, I think, at the top. Did, for a do, while
0: do you remember when astros fans were saying jeremy pena was going to be better than julio rodriguez
1: because oh Pep, yes oh did, yes
0: pepperidge farms remembers
1: because <laughs> <Pepperidge. laughs>
0: they remember uh,
1: um jeremy pena kind of fell into like I don't want to say non-existence, but like Jimmy Pena in 2023, I don't remember any highlights from Jimmy Pena. I don't remember. I don't remember much of anything from Jimmy Pena other than he was there. And he's still a useful player, pretty good defensively, like, but, you know, very much like a seven, eight hole hitter that, you know, is is good defensively. Like that's what Jimmy Pena's role is. Not as good as what Carlos Correa was, but
0: yeah. He had a very decent postseason one time and he's getting the David freeze treatment now where it's he's right. going to get a, you know, all the accolades and then realize, ah, oh, he, he's not great through 162 regular season games.
1: Yep. Yep. No, you're, you're exactly right. It's,
0: so did um, you, did you talk about Yane, uh, Diaz, Yane Diaz?
1: I did not Yannier Diaz, um, <clears throat> or Diaz is likely going to be the everyday catcher, um, which is probably going to be actually an upgrade for, um, for the astros over uh, martin maldonado um is it is does is a good young catcher that has some good potential with him likely gonna hit you know 20 plus home runs um still give you a pretty good on base percentage um yeah and select the ball really well still might be like a two-ish win player right so very valuable for for the astros i think based upon what they had previously so
0: yeah i i truly believe if i want to make a I don't. I wouldn't even call it a, call it a bold prediction at this point, but I think Diaz. You talked about their top five hitters being Alvarez, Bregman, Tucker, um, Altuve, and McCormick. Uh, I think Diaz will be one of their top five hitters, top five hitters by the end of the year. Um, I feel like he very much was held back by Maldonado, kind of being the preferred catcher for Verlander and Valdez. Like, I found that asinine that. Those guys, like he was getting the start while Diaz was hitting 270 every, you know, he he played substantially less games. It's like, give him a shot. He's your feature. You know, Maldonado might be great behind the plate, but he's not great with the stick. And, you know, I feel like, you know, offense is going to have to trump a little bit more than being a preferred catcher for someone. I don't know.
1: No, I think you're right. I think. Yeah, Diaz. And also I think Chaz McCormick kind of fills that role too. Like they kind of, I don't want to say, I think they kind of held Chaz McCormick back a little bit. I think he's probably got another level that he can tap into too. So like the fact that they're going to give those guys both, you know, more at bats um, could be, could be a problem to right, to increase the offense. So um, yeah, going to be a tough offense to beat, but uh, yeah, those series against the Mariners and Astros should be a lot of fun, right? Great pitching versus uh pretty good hitting. Yep. I,
0: did, I saw you bullet pointed this and I, I I didn't think you mentioned it, but uh, <laughs> that Jose Al or Jose Altuve, Jose Abreu signing and Rafael Montero signings continue just to look worse and worse every day for the Astros. Abreu, I'd like to be wrong with him, but he just doesn't look like he's ever going to return to the form he once played at, and we completely crapped on Rafael Montero's deal for a reliever last season. And I think it looks even worse this season that that's on the books for them.
1: Yeah. There's, I would say that there's uh, like uh, you yeah, have the Jose Abreu one, like you mentioned, the Montero one, the Lance McCullers is going to make like $18 million the next couple of years. That's a rough contract there. Um, Christian Javier like did not look the part of what he's going to be getting in a couple of years. years. Um, so yeah, that all plays into, the Astros might need to take a step back, kind of detox from some of these larger contracts at some point, which I think is going to be detrimental to the team. So um, all plays into, I, you know, this is a team that I feel like is, I don't want to say it the Their last, you know, whatever you want to call it last point to do something big here, but um, it kind of feels that way with some of the contracts, some of the things that they have coming down the pipe and you know, not enough in the pipe itself to kind of replenish the team. So,
0: yep. Can't wait to see for the downfall of the, The Astros can't wait for it. Can't wait. So is that it for the Astros? Bill, you want to move on to the Orioles?
1: Yep. We'll move on to the Orioles. Yep. Um, start it. Yeah. I think if you're looking for an overview of the team, um, offense for the Orioles is, um, I would say beyond deep, like the offense, the Orioles is, uh, incredibly deep with, um, you know, a number of prospects, a number of guys that, um, could very well break through and even, you know, knock on the door of MVP status. I think this year, next year, you know, sometime soon, um, a couple of their key departures, uh, Gibson, Jack Flaherty, and then also Adam Frazier is on that list as well. Um, despite a team that I think still needs pitching they were pretty solid with their pitching last year overall um, they were kind of the top five in al and year and run average Kyle Bradish is breaking out Grayson Rodriguez is a, was a prospect for them that um, you know settled started to settle in as a top starter but um, really realistically after that a lot of their pitching quality kind of drops off um, you know that dips into um, <clears throat> Dean kremer you um, uh, one of our favorites, Cole Irvine after that. And then John means who's coming back from injury. So um, <clears throat> I think there's still a lot of questions in their starting rotations. You know, I think when we were chatting this year um, the Orioles made sense for um, I want to say they they made sense in terms of like, they're looking for young pitching. We obviously have young pitching. I don't know if they made a whole lot of sense in terms of like a trade partner, because some of the guys that they have are, still very young that might be of interest to the Mariners. And I don't, and the Mariners aren't at a point I think where they want to go out and get prospects. So I don't know if they really made sense for a trade partner, but this is a team that looks like desperately. Like if you look at their starting rotation and the status of the team right now, um, they could definitely use a starter. And, um, I think it's, it's a little surprising to me that they are, you know, they weren't more heavily involved in some talks for like guys like Eduardo Rodriguez or even Blake Snell.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It seems like that could drastically help that team. Um, and yeah, I guess that might be a question to you, right? It seems like you know the Mariners and John Stanton and Chris Larson and team get you know uh, drugged through the mud a lot in a good way. I feel like that's you know I think that you know the, the 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 team should be more active in free agency. But if you're the Orioles, right, like you had a 100 win team last year, how do you not want to try to invest more in that team this season, right? That's kind of puzzling to me.
0: Yeah, no, and and they were. I would say they were probably the biggest surprise of 2023. Just the, the fact that they did kind of have everything fall into place, um. you know, to, to get to the playoffs. And, you know, everything kind of went right. Kind of, I, I wouldn't say Mariners-esque of the year before, but, um, you know, did it with, with a lot of young guys. And, and, you know, they, like you said, they haven't really – made upgrades on this team it just it's weird to me maybe maybe they're looking at guys you know you're you're gonna bring them up but jackson holiday likely to start the season on the team maybe they're bringing him up with the expectation that maybe they don't need to go out and get that uh that big free agent bad or make that big trade because he could be you know something like gunner was this year or Adley was the year before so
1: yep no you're yeah i think yeah, you know, moving to that, right? The there's no real offensive holes. There's no real holes that this team has in terms of like um, position player wise. And part of the reason is like guys like Jackson Holiday, going to be guys like Colton Cowser or Heston Kerstadt or Drew Ortiz. Like there's just a lot of in the pipeline for them to kind of pull up. Mm. And um, I think the I think the surprising part to me is just that they. They feel like they're a team that is honestly closer than the Mariners, right? Like if if there was ever a time to if there was ever a time to go for it, right? I feel like it's after your team wins a hundred games, right? And you yeah. still have you know a lot of potential. I think that's kind of the the shocking part to me if I was on the Orioles fan as a Mariners fan, feeling sympathy for them. So yeah, um, but man, their, yeah.
0: their 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 pipeline is so good right now. Just the, yeah. the Adley, the you know getting Adley Gunner being Rookie of the Year, Jackson Holiday, you know the top prospect in the game. Colton Kalzer, Heston Kirstad, Jordan Westbrook, you know, Grayson Rodriguez, you know, at one time, like all these guys are so good, you know, and, and they're in the Oriole system. They're all under the same freaking team banner.
1: Yep, yeah. And I think to say, um, the the projections are a little bit mixed on the Orioles right now. Like steamer kind of has them at only like 87 ish win games. Zips has them around 92 wins. Um, They feel like a team that's going to beat their projections. Certainly. Right. Um, But I think the big thing, right. They're going to be competitive in the AL East ultimately going to be competitive. um, You know, if the Yankees make a jump, if the blue Jays make a jump, ultimately going to be competitive in the playoffs, which um, could eventually be, you know um, where the Mariners want to be as well. So, Uh, you know, I think to expect from the Orioles, um, I fully expect this team to probably make some sort of trade at the deadline, right? Mm -hmm. If Dylan Cease doesn't get moved now, Corbin Burns, if the, if the brewers aren't out of it, the team that we just talked about, the Marlins, um, Jesus, Larzardo, somebody else from the Marlins could get moved. Um, I think very likely the Orioles are going to be in on that and you could see them get one, maybe even two starters, um, at some point during the season, because they're, because their farm system is so deep guys. We haven't even talked about Sammy Basalo um kobe mayo like the farm system is just so deep on the offensive side that it just there's too much there to not make a trade it makes too much sense to not make a trade did i say that right um and uh yeah i think they're a team that's eventually just going to get better just given how how deep the farm system is so yeah gonna likely be a major player against the mariners i think this season um could potentially definitely keep the mariners out of the way wild, wild card race too if you know other things go well for the teams in the al east
0: yeah that, and that's such a wide, looking at that, that's such a wide projection, you know, with, with steamers having them around 85, 86, 87 games and Zips having at 92 though, that, those, that many games, the, you know, whatever, seven, eight games that, um, you know, separate those two predictions. One has it missing the playoffs and being fourth in the AL East. And one has them with 92 wins, winning the division, you know, and, and as you put it on here, they can went up to a hundred games. They could regress back to 500. You know, what happens, what happens if the prospects don't take another step, what happens? If the pitching doesn't improve or they start losing people. You know, you're already, you're already down Felix Bautista for the year because Craig, you know, although Craig Kimbrell's coming in, Felix Batista was one of the best closers in the, in the league last year, you know, and, and, you know, the bullpen as a, as a whole, you know, you Cano, Kimbrell, you know, a couple other pieces here and there. You know, what are they going to do? Can they patchwork like the Mariners and patchwork a couple guys into some serviceable uh, reliever time? Who knows? You know, but it's, it's just so wild to me that their projections are so skewed, I guess. So it's, it's, it's one side or the other, you know. They're either winning the division or they're li- almost dead last in the division.
1: Yeah, and um, I think for, for both the teams we've covered today, I think it – I think that's going to just comes down to the pitching for both of them. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the offense for the Orioles, I think it's either least they're going to stay the same or it's good to take a step forward depending on a couple of guys. So I think it's still going to be pretty solid. The Astros that the offense is probably going to continually be really solid, but it really comes down to the pitching and, um, yeah, I think that that variability of where those teams end up is going to primarily come down to you know those five starters and the strength of their bullpen, which I think are both in suspect right now. So um, definitely, definitely uh, two teams to watch. Yep,
0: yep, yep. yep. Um, <clears throat> well, Bill, that was uh, that was the show. You know, um, do you have anything else for our listeners before we get out of here?
1: Uh, I think that's it for me. That's
0: it for me as well. So let's wrap it up. Get out of here. We'll see you next week. For all our listeners in the Puget Sound, Pacific Northwest, and beyond, thank you for taking time to listen to another edition of the Forks Down Podcast. For Bochism, I'm Rick Clark, and we'll see you guys next week, brother.